When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Ball with the Beast podcast, presented by our good friends at Wyatt Insurance. I'm Austin Price, joined by Brent Hubs and the great Paul Fortenberry. Great. Look around the SEC last week, and two things stick out. Texas goes into Tuscaloosa, gets a massive win, and then Jimbo is going to Jimbo. They give up 50 uh, to Miami, basically, on the road. What were your overall thoughts, Paul? Man, you know, it's funny when I was flipping back and forth on, on Saturday and Saturday night, uh, and I remembered, I think Brent and I both talked about A&M's defensive line being the difference in the game. <laughs> well, they ended up being the difference, but in a bad way. Uh, I was stunned by just Miami putting up, was it 48 points on, on, mm-hmm. on A&M? And, and just, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how – how that experiment, the ongoing experiment, all the experiments that are going on in A&M with NIL and new offensive coordinators, how that ends up at the end of the season. But, uh, you know, just such a uh, has to be a frustrating loss for A&M. Just, you know, it's a bad loss. There's no other way to put it. And then um, obviously the nightcap in in Tuscaloosa. What a wild fourth quarter. What that's that's man. What a great football game. What a great ending. Uh, You know, you have to really credit Texas for going in there and beating Alabama. Um, you know, Milrow, a lot of questions there, a couple bad interceptions, uh, almost a couple other interceptions that potentially could have happened. So um, I think they've got some real question marks moving forward. Is, is he the guy? Is Simpson going to get an opportunity? If um, Or are they just going to go with Milrow? You know, the, the one thing with Milrow I thought was interesting was just he lives on the off-schedule stuff. And that usually it feels like, Feast or famine, right? If once a guy gets out of the pocket, man, he can run for 20, 25 yards or he can make a bad play. And uh, that's that's who they were. And so that's hard to get consistency. And so I, I think Alabama may just be an up and down team as long as he's at the quarterback. But um, yeah, I think you just have to credit Texas. That was a great win in, in Tuscaloosa. Hubbard, when you look at Alabama, like they go to South Florida, which is bizarre to me. Like they're going to go play Alex Golish in South Florida at South Florida. This week, it's at South Florida, like it's a chance though. Like we're like, okay, you saw some deficiencies last week, and you kind of knew that's where they were, anyways. But I mean, Milrose probably gonna put up a pretty good stat line this week, and it, you're not able to figure things out, in my opinion, by kind of having this kind of game after Texas. Your thoughts? Well, I think they've got to find a run game. You know, there was all this talk in the offseason about bully ball, bully ball, bully ball. They were going to bully people, and I think you talked about it after week one that their average yards per carry against a against MTSU was not anything to, to write home about. Where was the bully ball, right? It was a lot of Melrose running around, five touchdowns they found their guy. I mean, if, if, what Paul's saying is absolutely right. You cannot – you got to keep – you got to keep him on some type of schedule because if you don't, you're going to end up with a lot of good and you're going to end up with a lot of bad. And the bad's going to cost you football games, which was the case in the Texas game. Now, I know Nick Saban said they dropped two touchdowns. But again, they, they they had they had penalties again on defense, which is a problem for them. Has been a problem in the secondary. Everybody's attacking their secondary. 
Um, I don't think this is the demise of Alabama football, but that's a chink in the armor to lose that game in Tuscaloosa. That's a game that program doesn't lose. Um, so we'll see how they react to it. Uh, with Texas A&M, for me, it's, it's where they're their locker room. They were a total disarray a, a year ago, right? I mean, they, they were a mess a year ago. Does this loss, do they do they rally off of it and build and grow, or is this kind of one of those things that becomes, oh, here's here's A&M again? I think a lot of people in Aggieland are going, wait a minute, is this A&M from a year ago? Is there nothing different about this team? We're going to find out about them in the coming weeks uh, with, you know, with some of the games that they're going to play. If you guys are missing the biggest game of the night, I had a win in, in hand in Berkeley, California. Field goal kicker can't make a kick. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lead the charge. I'm gonna win the pick deal from a week ago. And Berkeley can't do anything in the red zone. Defensively, they're outstanding offensively. What a train wreck and, and what a uh, what a steal for the Auburn Tigers. That, man, we told you what was gonna happen. That was your Justin Wilcox glasses on, great defense, can't score on offense. They should have won the game, Paul. All you got to do is yeah. – I, mean, I didn't even ask him to score touchdowns. All you got to do is make some, make field, some goals. field goals. Yeah, ifs and buts. We had, four, we had three or four missed field goals. I saw that Sunday. I was like, I mean, oh, bro, I'm sorry. They missed, they missed one at the – they made one at the end of the first half, but it got called back on a holding penalty, so they missed it at the end of the half. It's terrible. All right. Let's hey, wrap up. Hey, I, I saw the saving quote that they dropped a couple of touchdown passes. Well, if Texas secondary would tackle, they wouldn't have scored two of their touchdowns either. They they, they just they just dropped off the guy. So that I didn't I'm not a big fan of that argument. Nick. Yeah, Nick. I mean, you wrote on a plan with Paul and didn't say three words to him. Uh three. Let's talk about uh let's get around the league. BYU lost last year 52-35 at home to Arkansas. Now that normally older group of uh, Cougars travels to Fayetteville to take on the Razorbacks and what, you know, is one of the oldest quarterbacks known to man in K.J. Jefferson, um, or at least he looks now. He's the oldest next of college football in my opinion. Who's older, Caden Slovis or K.J. Jefferson? <laughs> now we're not, we're not picking the game. I think there are a couple of coordinators in the country that are younger than KJ Jefferson is. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm still not a. I don't understand all the hype with KJ Jefferson, you know. But I feel like Arkansas is starting to get a little of their identity back and kind of getting back to sort of the things that they want to do. They're not great, but I think they're sort of getting away from. Hey, let's put it all on KJ Jefferson's shoulders, like they seemingly did a year ago without any playmakers out there. Yeah, I, the the one concern with that Hubbard is you got no Rocket Sanders this weekend, um, sustained an injury, and 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 so that's that's the one thing. Uh, but the question to me too is a little bit on this BYU side. Um, you know, this game got their defensive coordinator essentially fired last year, and, and they moved on. But um, Slovis, USC, Pitt, and how he's at BYU, and the first two ball games he hasn't moved the ball really well. Uh, yeah, they won 14-0 against, was it UTEP or Sam Houston State in their first game and blew out the second game. But it feels like if BYU had a little bit more of a pulse, it may be a little bit um, a little bit more of a fight than I think at first glimpse. But BYU is such a weird team because of the older guys APU talked about. They just – so much experience. You never feel like they get rattled. So they go to a lot of places. Going to Arkansas isn't going to intimidate them. Uh, you know, their wives are going to be waiting for them on Sunday. 
whether or not they win or lose. So, you know, it's just an interesting, <laughs> interesting team. Hey, one little note. Got to throw a note in there for you guys. Who's the only team to beat both of these teams last year? No guesses? The Liberty Flames. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Did not so, see that one coming. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Man, this is – I'm with you, Hubs, in the end. You, you know, we'll see how K.J. Jefferson plays. I really think it's it's about him this week. It's about the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, we say that a lot about some teams. It's a them week, and I think it's about Arkansas this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you know, when you look at Arkansas, that – schedule they got in the West has to uh, is looming and, and, and it's coming very fast. So they want to continue all the momentum they can get um, in this football game. You know, Caden Slovis, I mean, the whole one-time transfer thing is a joke. The fact the kid at North Carolina is ineligible is a joke. And here's why it's a joke. Because Caden Slovis has bounced around. JT Daniels is on school number 53, okay? I mean, like, I, you don't give me this one-time transfer. It's horrendous. The NCAA don't even – Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Well, and, and I want to. Well, we're in that hole, so I'm going to say this one because everybody knows I got an opinion or two. Shame on the NCAA for coming out and criticizing North Carolina for them criticizing the NCAA because now committee members are feeling threatened or whatever the case may be. There, there's not one. There's not one North Carolina statement that ever named who the committee members were. Never called out the specific committee. They ripped the NCAA for their move, and and hats off to them for being critical of the NCAA's decision. They have every right to do that. Shame on the NCAA for trying to make North Carolina out to be the bad guys for publicly defending the kid they believe who should be eligible. So they should be. I mean, yeah. I, the, the question. I mean, if you're the NCAA, how how tone deaf are you? How how are you not reading the room to you, your time? The, the clock is ticking. On the NCAA, that's why the NFL is going to take over about fifty schools and and basically. Yeah, eventually it's just not going to exist at the higher levels. So how are they not reading the room and say, "Hey, do we want to be around in ten years? We got to figure out a way to make this work and be okay with." I mean, you know, figure out another method and and be okay with kids going from one school to another because that's life. People leave jobs, people leave schools when they're in college and they don't play sports. I guess there's got to be some kind of accountability for the players. They've got to learn that, whether it's a non-compete or whatever. But the fact that they're just so tone deaf to a kid that didn't play his first year at North Carolina Central, went to Akron, has the, um, the you know, they've got people that have the therapists, whatever, to with the mental health stuff. And for them to just, nope, not going to happen on our watch. It's just so tone deaf and, oh, and irresponsible. Nothing to be so proud of. Yeah, well, and I mean, here's the thing. I understand, and, and I've heard this argument too. You know, coaches were really concerned that it was too easy to transfer a second time, right? That 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 was the bother. Coaches said, "Hey, one-time transfers here, but we we've got to limit this this second transfer. We've got to limit some of the waivers. We think this is bad. Whatever. Okay, fine. If you're going to do that, blanket do that across the board. The the problem is you use him as an example, but then you mention AP four other kids or three other whatever. There's kids all around the country that are on schools five and six. That's the problem. It's just the inconsistency that that makes no that you don't know why. There's no rhyme or reason. Here's what I would do. Look at Jawan Mitchell. Jawan Mitchell is playing for Colorado. (laughs) He literally started. He's on like his 53rd school too. I mean, like it's since August first. 
Correct. And that's my point. Both of them. I think you should make assistant coaches sit out a year if they transfer. <laughs> well, well, I mean, make, make coaches you can't you can't change jobs twice in five years if you're a coach. Well, Paul, if that, was, if that was the case, then you wouldn't be able to coach. Um, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like it's so ridiculous when you look at it when when you're not just in. Hey, this is the way they've always done it. Yeah, you had these, but make. You're, you're getting into NIL, which is marketing, and you're letting them taste what it's like in the real world. We'll make them sign some kind of contract. Put some skin in the game for them players if you want it to be like that. That's what I just don't get. It's, so, it's, it's this group of people that are so out of touch with what's going on on the ground. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. All right, I got to get back on the rails here. Totally South Carolina at Georgia. South Carolina at Georgia. Do we think South Carolina, which has won in Athens in, in, in recent years, um, you know, can they do the unthinkable and be competitive against a Georgia team that I think has been kind of eh, through two weeks? Yeah, I think they can, but will they? I don't know. I mean, it, it, who, which, which Spencer Rattler are you going to get? That's that's the question. Um, you know, G- Georgia Carson Beck, Spencer Rattler that's going to run around in circles for his life for yeah, that's true. Hey, forty-eight or sixty minutes or however many minutes are in this football game. AP. Georgia only has one sack. Through the first two games. Okay. I found, I just found that interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Wouldn't have you, don't think, you don't think Georgia's dial, you, you think Georgia's emptied the playbook out the first two weeks against those You teams? know they sent three they sent three or four guys. They never sent one extra guy against UT Martin and Ball State. No no, no linebacker, no they secondary might, player. No, they might have sent a nose tackle as the only Yeah. Player. No, that nose tackle dropped back yeah, every play. Dropped in. Yeah, yeah they dropped him, rush one guy. That's exactly what happened. No, I mean, realistically, do they have a chance? Sure. But, man, they just, I, you know, I don't – I don't see it. You know, I, I South Carolina, just so inconsistent. Um, I don't think they have enough playmakers. Carson Beck and the offense is just going to be steady. They're not going to wow anybody. Um, but you know, the, the, the transfer rah, rah, Thomas has looked good. They've still got Bowers lad, lad McConkey. I'm not sure if he's going to play this game yet. I don't think he's played this year. Um, so, so Georgia's not at full strength. Um, so the South Carolina have a chance. Yeah. Hey, I was surprised with this 26 and a half point underdogs that I felt like even that was a little bit aggressive, but I don't know. Hubbard's over here. You're ready for it to be at 40. They've done, they've done nothing to wild me at this point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the best thing going for South Carolina might be Mike Bobo's column plays for Georgia. Yeah, that's their best shot, isn't it? South Carolina's best shot. Third and third and fourteen, we'll just do a draw. Hubbard loves Mike Bobo. I mean, like that's, that's his favorite, favorite offensive coordinator. Recycled. But I think Mike Bobo's been recycled more than NFL coordinators have. He's a great coordinator for like two thousand three. Football. That's a great, that's Not a great comparison. 2023 football. Like but hey, it. when you have elite athletes, I don't think you have to have, you know, it doesn't have to have elite play calling. You know, you can sometimes just out athlete people and you're just better. Um, you that's what George has done the last couple of years. I mean, well, I, I want, you know, the guy they just lost, you know, Todd Munkin. I mean, I think he was actually really, really good. You know, I think if if you if you had let him run his full deal and not been kind of, you know, had the link, wings clipped a little bit by Kirby, uh, I think you'd even seen a better Georgia offense. 
And they were plenty good enough. I think he did a really good job there. Yeah, I did too. I'm in on defense. Georgia's just out athleted people on defense the last two years. They're just hit so much stinking talent up front, created so much pressure. They had good guys on the back end. I mean, that's that's how they've dominated. And they did they just didn't make mistakes on offense. And Stetson Bennett was a he was a he was a good quarterback, a good college quarterback, and made enough plays. They had enough playmakers on the outside. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they didn't have to do anything special. Um, in my opinion, they just were had some studs. They had a bunch of first round draft picks. It helps. Before we get to the Vols and Gators and break down the matchup that everybody has tuned in to hear Paul break down, uh, and we get to the picks, Paul, tell us about what's going on at Wyatt Insurance this week. Obviously, a really busy week. Yeah, you know what? We're getting into fourth quarter uh, for our employee, employee benefits team. Uh, which is a really important time of year for uh, a lot of businesses around the country as they do enrollment for for their employees. And uh, we have an awesome employee benefits team. If you've all, always wondered, hey, how can we uh, maximize our you know medical insurance spend for our employees? I'd love for you to call our employee benefits team. Uh, they're fantastic. They, they really get in the weeds and see how they can maximize your insurance spend. And then we do a lot of unique things on the back end to, to make it easier uh, on the employers for enrollment and, and to manage your account. So give us a call at 865-862-3997 or just email me, Paul, at Wyatt Insurance, and I'll make sure to hook you up with our employee benefits team. And remember, you get Rob Lewis stories if you sign up with Paul today. <laughs> I may have Rob had Lewis. a couple people ask me about that last week. Thanks, AP. And there are some great Rob Lewis stories that are floating about. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Tennessee and Florida, the game coming up. Tennessee's not won in the Swamp since 2003. Paul was uh, in high school at Maryville High School, and uh, I was in college, and Hubs was uh, still gray-haired and doing what he does and still probably wearing that shirt. Um, this is a game that Tennessee – I'm just playing. <laughs> I remember where I was. Shout out Ben Swan's house in the basement. James Banks catching the Hail Mary right before the half. I, st I still remember it. Can Tennessee go to the Swamp and win for the first time in 20 years? We'll get the prediction later, but if they're going to, how do they do it? Man, that, you know, so cliche here, but I, I think it's more true this year than ever. You, you've got to win the ground game. That's what Tennessee does best um, with Small and Wright and Sampson. They, they, they've got to lean on that. Um I don't think there's any way of getting around it now. You've got two slow starts from Joe Milton. They uh, went more horizontal in the passing game than vertical against Austin P to kind of make up for that. And uh, you know, I don't know that that will beat Florida going sideways. Um, you, and so I, I think you've got to really get right and small going, and they're, they're going to be the guys. The, the thing that you have to like about Tennessee, at least in my opinion, is that when – when you look around the, the, the other position groups, I think you have to give Tennessee the edge in a lot of them. I think Tennessee's defense is is, is a faster defense than Florida's offense. Um, you know, Florida's got Ricky, I don't even know, Persall, Purcell. I can't remember how you say his name. Uh, and he's kind of their one guy. And, you know, he, he's a good playmaker, but he's not great. Um, Graham Mertz is not should not beat you. I can't say will not beat you. Graham Mertz should not beat you. They don't have an explosive ground game. So if it, how many times in the last 20 years have you felt like Tennessee's offense or Tennessee's defense was better than Florida's offense? I feel like that. 
I don't know how you guys feel about that this year, but I think Tennessee's defense is, has a clear advantage over Florida's offense. And, and, and so I think that's one of the few times I've felt like that in the last 20 years, which I think is a, is a great sign for Tennessee. But on the other side, Tennessee's going to have to manufacture some points. Um, you know, as bad as Florida's offense is, I, I do think they're going to have to get into the high 20s, low 30s to, to win on Saturday. Albert? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I think it goes back to the same old cliches that you talk about. I mean, don't don't self inflict wounds. Don't don't kill yourself. Finish in the red zone. Don't you know what Spurrier always say? You don't kick field goals in big games. You, you score touchdowns. You got to finish in the red zone. Don't turn the football over. Um, and and don't give up. You know, don't give up some crazy fluky play. I mean, Paul, I think you're right. I mean, it's one of those deals where there's not been many years, home or away, where you say, man. Tennessee, Tennessee athletically matches up to Florida's offense. Um, I mean, a year ago, Tennessee was pretty, pretty good, but I mean, they didn't have a real answer, answer to Anthony Richardson when he got out and started running around. Um, I, I don't think Florida can do that to Tennessee this year. Um, so, I mean, I, I think those things are positive in Tennessee's favor. Uh, you just can't turn it over. You can't, you know, I go back to two years ago. Tennessee was not as good as Florida two years ago. What does that game look like if they don't drop the ball across the middle on third down? You know, when, when he hits Callaway in the hands. I mean, it just you, – you got to make when – there, when there's the play to be made, you got to make a play. And can Tennessee do that with this offense right now it is the biggest question mark. And, AP, that's what's different about going to a place like the Swamp. Sometimes it just feels like it's one. I mean, you guys have all remember this. It's it, it could take one play and it deflates a team. And on the road, it's so hard to re-engage momentum, and that sticks with young guys. Um, and that's what we've seen happen before in the swamp. Is you know they're they're right there, they're right there, and boom, one play happens, and all of a sudden it's just like, where did this team go? Yeah, and and the biggest thing going for Tennessee is that none of these kids. I mean, like they've heard it a little bit here and there, but I mean. I don't really know much about the fact that Tennessee's not won down there in 20 years, that some of them weren't alive the last time Tennessee won down there. I mean, and they don't know how they've lost games down there too. That's the, for Tennessee fans, that's the different part. I mean, you can tell a kid, you can tell an assistant coach who doesn't know it. Hey, they hadn't won down there since 03, but you talk to Tennessee fans. It's not that you just haven't won down there. It's how you've lost those games. Some of those games down there where, the Hail Mary, the fourth and 19 plays, the, 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 the different ways that you've lost this game. That's why everybody was, you know, that, you know, call it, you know, battered ball syndrome or whatever you want to call it. That's why people were nervous last year. Like, you know, Tennessee's cakewalking. They're walking, they're walking the dog and they're running away with this game. And you're like, eh, it ain't over yet. And what happened? Here's Florida, get an onside kick. You're like, oh, here they go again type deal. Because that's what Vol fans deal with. The good news is players and coaches don't even – that doesn't even cross their mind because they weren't a part of any of those games. Yeah, that's um, right. Good. But for fans, they were. And and they're never got, not going to forget them anytime soon. Hey, I want to know this. Is this like a I have to believe it to see it? I mean, I, or a see it. He saw it, it last year. I just <laughs> wonder, Roger, I he's not seen it in the swamp, but you've seen it then too. Oh, it's totally different at home. Come on, AP. You've been down in that concrete. <laughs> AP says I have to pick. I can't abstain. You can't abstain. If you want to pick Florida, I'll do it. But, I mean, like, you can't abstain. You know, he abstained last year. Let's get to the picks. I'm definitely- I, well, I've, I've had so many friends be like, oh, I'm going to the Swamp this year. I'm, like, I'm sorry. That was one of the worst places to watch a football game. Concrete, vertical. Oh, look at those records. Love Jeff it. Wilcox. 
The records may not be as good if we start picking by the line. I'm going to take a screenshot of this and send it to Wilcox and say, Hubs is just pissed at you. Yeah, thanks, Justin. <laughs> open right, up open the first pick. round of games this week, and the picks are in. What do we got? What do we got? In the LSU at Mississippi State game, we're all taking it. I almost took UNLV. We did take UNLV. I tell you, I, I tell you, of all those games there, the the one that I think could be could be interesting to watch is how does LSU play this week? New yeah. game on the road. I think Mississippi State's more salty on defense than people want to give them credit for. LSU's more talented. LSU should win. Will Rogers was playing 12 years ago. Um, he's been there forever. Uh, they've been able to move the ball. Can Mississippi State frustrate LSU and, and force them into, into some high-risk stuff? I got LSU winning because I just think they're more talented. I think that one could be pretty interesting. South Carolina will keep it close against Georgia because Georgia's going to be pedestrian on offense, but Georgia's just got too much to overwhelm South Carolina down the stretch of that – in the second half of that game. So are you taking South Carolina with the points, 26 and a half? Oh, I think this is like 28 to 3, 31 to 3, Paul, one of those deals. Where maybe I they thought 31 10. I'm taking South Carolina in the points. I mean, I just – I think that it's going to be one of those deals where – South Carolina never has a chance, but at the half, it's 13-3 or something. Yeah, like that, right? always, always dominant. I think, those, I think it's one of those type games. Is it sad that I spent the most time researching UNLV, Barry Odom, the head coach, like half their roster is is, is former Arkansas players because their defensive coordinator was at Arkansas. I mean, I was this close to pulling the trigger for UNLV, but that tough Hawaii win – for Vandy, I think I thought, man, it's probably a repeat. I'm gonna, I'll stick with Vanderbilt, but no confidence. You're, um, you're, you're, you're a Clark Lee guy. You're a big, yes, Clark, you big Clark Lee guy. That's big not shocking Clark at all. Let's get to the next games. We pull that page up, and uh, did anyone right. even think for a second about Kansas State, Mizzou, or is it real quick? For me, it was just no. Uh, it was a no-brainer. Wow. Yeah. Here's three to really discuss. There's a lot going on here. Well, I mean, you know, especially the top two, though. Can Georgia Tech hang around with Ole Miss? I'm going to say that that game's closer than people think. I got, um, I got, I got Ole Miss comfortable there. Yeah, I did too. I, I, I mean, Tulane put up a heck of a fight. They Tulane's ended up losing by Georgia Tech. I think Tulane's better than Georgia Tech. I, I, that's what I was about to say. They, they only won by what, seventeen or twenty or something. I think. I think this gets into, you know, Lane Kiffin having fun in the second half running behind the back trick play kind of stuff. Don't sleep on Haynes King, everybody. All right, now what we all came for, Paul's pick. Is he taking the Gators to continue the streak in the swamp or is he taking Tennessee to win for the first time? I do not. He was patrolling the halls at Maryville High School. I did not feel good about this one. But, man, you got to go with the Vols. Come on. How, how can you not pick Tennessee this week? I just – I kept going back to every facet of the game. Tennessee is a better team. It, when, when they run the ball, I think they'll run the ball in Florida. I think they can stop the run. I think they can match up athletically. I think Joe Milton's going to have to take care of the football. I think he's going to have to to start out better than he did. I'm not saying you have to go down there and score 14 points in the, in, in the first quarter, but I think they're going to need some first quarter points. 
and, and he can't start out one for seven, um, or, or they can't go, you know, punt, turnover, punt, punt. They, they can't just do that. So they're going to need something from him early. But if they can lean on the ground game, which I think they will, I think they come out of a swamp uh, – 24-17, 27-17, kind of ugly game, not pretty, but I just think Tennessee is the more talented team. But I've seen this story before. I've seen it happen before, so I, I, I we all have. So I, I totally have the battered ball syndrome, Hubbard, uh, but but I, I think Tennessee gets out of there with a win. Battered, battered Paul syndrome. <laughs> we all have. He takes the balls. That'll do it for this edition of Ball with the Beast, presented by our great friends at Wyatt Insurance Group. Make sure you tune in next week where we'll, uh, if Paul's prediction is correct, we're talking about a Tennessee win, and they'll be 3-0 and hosting UTSA at Saturday next week. For Brent Hubbs and Paul Fortenberry, I'm Austin Price. Somebody rang the doorbell for Paul, but he's got to go answer it. Another sale on the way. <laughs>